Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. And to those of you here for the first time, we want to say a very, very special welcome to you. We hope that as you come today that there will be a sense of awe, not at the building, but at the God behind the building. I find it quite exciting that in a nation that's seen debt grow by the trillions of dollars, now 16 trillion, that in the midst of an economy that uh, negative, 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 debt growing, 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 that God's people that are called by God's name can humble themselves and pray and see God's face. And God will open up the windows of heaven and bless us with such an incredible facility. And it's all debt free. Not one penny is owed to anybody except the Lord. There's a scripture in the Bible, Philippians 4.19 that says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, according to his riches. Not according to any nation's economy, not in accordance with the world's economy, but in accordance to the power and the might of an awesome God. And we're so thankful that the Lord has allowed us to see this day come when we could just say thank you, Lord, and, and formally give this building back to him. He gave it to us, and today we want to give it back to him. We want to have an opportunity to think about how God has moved and such incredible ways. I find it quite amusing how the world gets angry when God's people triumph and the world's struggling. But you know, if a troubling world would come to a triumphant God, their hearts could be mended. Their vision could be restored. Their hopelessness and helplessness could become a vision with a future. And I am so thrilled that we can gather this morning and witness these two that were baptized earlier in the service, in the other service, there were the seven that were baptized there. When I got here at eight o'clock this morning, there was a family in our Connection Center that came here and gave their heart to Christ before the services ever started. We were riding buses and moving through the hall and getting ready for the service, and they were right back there praying and asking Christ to come into their life. And let me tell you something, when that happened, every penny that was invested in this place was returned a hundredfold because those that were saved have something money can't buy and death can't take away from them. And they came because they saw the cross and they believed that that's what they'd been looking for in their family. And to see three generations standing in that baptistry at one time, all of which for the first time in their life, gave their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. And I just want to praise the Lord for that with you this morning. And I just believe that that is such a great example of what this is all about. 
If you're a first-time guest today, we want you to be sure and stay a few minutes after the service to come back over here to our hospitality room because we have some things to give you. We want to give you some videos and some audios and some things to just uh, remind you from time to time of what a mighty God that we serve. So that's right over here, just across from the library. And then back in the back, when I talk about a connection center, where you saw Jesus washing Peter's feet, back this side of there, there's a big lobby. That's where the family was this morning when I came in. They uh, had got here early to do that. You can go there when this service is over. If you want to talk to someone about any spiritual matter, uh, we invite you to go there. Now today, we want to, there's no way we can recognize everybody. In fact, those that we recognize didn't really want to be recognized, but I think that in due respect, uh, our first honor and glory goes to the Lord, but God uses people. Every single one of you that have given, from the small to the large, from the young to the old, God has used you to create a miracle. And those resources came and they were entrusted to a team of people called the visionary team, the visionary team. And that visionary team, and you're gonna see the names going up on the, on the screens here during this time, but these are people in our church that uh, God used in a special way. Some of them may be in this service. If they are, I want them to stand. If you were on the visionary team, it's not a very large team, but if you were here, they could be in Bible study or in the other service. Is there anyone here on that team in this service? I do not see them, but I do know where there's some folks that I want to introduce. First of all, David Shanks. David Shanks, his architectural firm in Dallas, designed this project. And I want you to thank David. David is a born-again Christian and member of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Jack Graham is his pastor. Billy Goff. So the Goff Company, the builders of this building, and a dear friend and brother in Christ is Billy Goff. And uh, this is a guy that put his team together. Dang, you guys stand here. These are the guys that were here night and day for all of these months and months and months. I kept telling them, I'd be glad when you guys are gone. They agreed, we'd be glad when we are gone. <laughs> so uh, they live in a little trailer house out here, you know, so now they can go back to their regular house. That's where their office was. But guys, we want to thank you, and I want to thank you as a group uh, one more time. Uh, Charles Hunsucker, Charles Hunsucker was here earlier. Uh, he's the guy from our church that worked with them and that represented us. And of course, Jim Green is Jim here. Yeah, I see you, Jim. Uh, Jim Green, our business administrator. He's the one that counted the money and paid the bills. And these guys, by their smile, you can tell they've all been paid. We don't owe them anything, all right? In fact, they brought the building in less money than they promised they would. And Billy, we thank you for that and for your team. For They actually um, brought the building in $800,000 less than what we anticipated. And, and we thank you for being good stewards of God's money and God's time. In just a moment, we're going to open our Bible to 1 Kings chapter 2. You might want to turn there now. And I want to welcome those that join us on the internet. I met several people after the last service that have been watching on the internet. And we realize that some of you are across the ocean. And uh, I want to say 
thanks to you. I want to thank you, Cobus Moeller. I know you and your family, your beautiful Vita, are watching out of South Africa. Uh, Cobus is the artist for the mural that you have seen in the building. Our Christian brother, who, by the way, now has joint membership. He is in Africa. He's a member of his church there in Johannesburg, but he's also a member of Sagemont Church right here in Houston. And Cobus and Vita have formally united with our church. This is his church when he's in America, and that's his church when he is there. And by the way, for those of you that prayed for Vita, I got an email from Cobus yesterday, and Vita, I hope you're watching because when Cobus came and started that mural, she had stage four brain cancer. And the, the, the news now is from all of her doctors, they find no trace of that cancer anywhere in her body. And we praise the Lord for that because they blessed us and we were able to bless them by joining their family around the world that prayed for them. And as of yesterday, the report continues to be good news, good news, good news. We cannot find it. And that is so much like our God. And by the way, he does the same thing for sin. He blots it out. He gets rid of it. He remembers it no more. There is in the scripture, the story that I'm going to take you to in just a moment. It is the story of the building of a temple in Israel by Solomon. David, king of Israel, you remember his life. You remember how he drifted away from God and committed some horrendous sins. But God loved and forgave him because he came back, humbled himself, prayed and repented. But he was not allowed to build the temple. So his son Solomon built the temple. And we're going to look at that story and I want to kind of draw a parallel today as we dedicate this building. But I want you right now to just join with me in prayer. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. But I want you, just from your perspective, many of you are here, and since this building opened in June, you've come to know Jesus as your Savior. You're sitting out here right now. That might be your prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for building that cross, and thank you for building that building and letting me hear the gospel. But whatever you want to do, I'm going to give you total freedom to do that. If you want to stand, sit, kneel, or whatever. And I want to lead us in a prayer of dedication. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, there are no words to express what we feel from the depths of our heart today for what you have allowed us to see and participate in. I thank you, Father, that we can come today to this place with the lights on, a temporary occupancy permit granted, and sing, dance, and pray, and worship, and study the word, and preach the word, and know that you're here. The reason we know you're here, Lord, one of the main reasons is we're seeing so many people like those we've seen today that have trusted you as Savior because they came to this spot. And they felt something when they walked in the door. And before they left, they found out what they felt was the presence of God that was willing to forgive, 
sin and give a brand new life and allow us to start over again. And I thank you, Lord, for letting us see that. And Father, I pray today that you'll understand that our heart is that this building be used for your glory. That it's not a monument to, to a man or to men or to a group of families. It is a monument and a building and a place that you can fill with your presence and things will happen to people that come in. So Father, we praise you in every way we know how. We thank you for blessings innumerable. And we ask you not to leave us, not to forsake us, but to stay with us and let us see more and more reasons as to why you did what you did. And I thank you, Lord, for choosing us to show, to show yourself strong, that you saw in our heart a desire to glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and dedicate this building. Amen. Now if you have your Bible open to 1 Kings chapter 2, I'm going to invite you to stand briefly for the reading of the word. 1 Kings, second chapter. 1 Kings, second chapter. And let me just read to you a brief part, and keep your Bible open. It will be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, keep it open. And I want you to try to get enough interest in this story. You'll go read what I won't have time to read to you today of the beautiful dedication of the temple that Solomon built in Israel. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. And then I want you to look at verse 10. So David slept with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David. And then, if you would, turn to the third chapter, and let me read verses 7 through 10. Now Solomon is praying a prayer here. I want you to listen to his prayer. He turns to God. He could ask for wealth, money, power, whatever he wanted to, and what he asked for that astounded the people, but blessed God, was wisdom. Wisdom to know what to do with what God had entrusted to him. So listen to this. Verse 7, chapter 3. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life 
Neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor have you asked the life of thine enemies, but you've asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given you a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like you among thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated, please? Now, Solomon makes it very clear to all that listen at the dedication service that this has been done to the glory of God. I want every person here to very clearly understand that from the day that our church caught the vision to expand, to prepare ourselves for a growing nation, and by the way, since the time this building has started, we, was in, we were informed just a few days ago that Houston, Texas is now the most diversified city in the world. The world has come to Houston. When you came in today, I don't know how you entered, there's so much to see around here, but whatever door you might have come in, I wanna tell you about it real quickly. When, when we started to build the building, there's four main entrances into the building. The Bible says we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. If you come down this hallway over here by the coffee shop out of the children's building, that is the Houston entrance. You'll see Jerusalem, Houston. Houston is our Jerusalem. We're to start here in Houston. I just told you Houston has become more diversified city than New York City. We are now the number one in the nation. So our first target is Houston. That's the reason that many of you received the card for the first time to invite you to come over and be with us today. Number two uh, entrance over here to the left is Texas. And uh, we have Judea, Texas. Judea, Texas, all right? When you walk in there, you'll see the two uh, on the mural. If you go over here to the north entrance, you will see Samaria, USA. You'll see a picture of the Samaritan woman at the well, and then you'll see USA, Statue of Liberty. Mickey Mouse, I think, is over there. And some other things, the Capitol or whatever, Grand Canyon, picture in the USA. And then the big entrances going out to the cross are to the ends of the earth. Now here's the point. Wherever you came from, we had a door built in your honor. See, we had the Houston door, the Texas door, the USA door, and for all the rest of you, we made the big door, big and open for whosoever will to come. Now when you go away, we want you to look at something else. Many of you have said that it was a cross that caused you to stop by. I want you to stand in our foyer, don't go outside, enjoy this cool air just a little bit longer, walk over to the glass and look out to the cross from inside this building. When you look to the cross and you see it in its beauty, it's beautiful in the daytime and it is beautiful at night, but what makes that cross beautiful is nobody's on it. Jesus is not on that cross. He died on that cross in order that we could have eternal life. And then we want you to look down and look into the garden tomb. It's 90 7% finished. By next Sunday, we think it'll be totally finished. We're, we're, the big thing is getting the big rock to go in the front door. But we want you to look in that tomb. And uh, as you look into that tomb, we want you to know that it is beautiful. The tomb is the six olive trees out in front and the Palo Verde trees and the cypress trees. And, and there's going to be four sitting areas for you and they're supposed to be finished this week. But the beautiful part is there's nobody in that tomb. He's risen. He, he died, taken from the cross. 
And he is not in that tomb. He's empty. That tomb is empty. And then I want you to notice over to the left, and this is harder to, for you to pick up. I want you to look under the waterfall, and you're going to see something sticking out. When the lighting is finished this week, you'll see that that's a crown of thorns. There is no more suffering. That crown has been left behind. He now is king of kings and is lord of lords. He has paid the price on the cross. He has conquered hell, death, and the grave by being raised from the grave. And there is no more suffering. No longer does he bow down before any or submit to anything other. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And our job, because... He has ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's coming back again. And our job is we're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Now I want you to look at this scripture real quickly as I show it to you. He announces he's going to build the temple. It took him seven years to build it. It's interesting if you read, this is probably another story, but anyway, in the seventh chapter, the first verse, he starts building him a house. It took him seven years to build the temple. It took him 13 years to build his house. He might have had his priorities a little bit out of balance. I don't know. But anyway, the day arrived of the dedication. That's where we're interrupting here. And it took, uh, I mean, at that moment of the dedication, the thing that, that brought the dedication to a, a moment of dedication was when the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the law of Moses, it, the Ark of the Covenant was the, the symmetry of the presence of God. And so when the ark, representing the presence of God, was brought into the building, the building was then ready to be dedicated to God. And so as you read this story, you will see that the ark is brought in, representing the presence of the Lord, and put in its place. And 1 Kings 8.11 says, so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When that happened, there was tremendous visual presence of a great cloud inside. And that cloud was representing the presence of God. And it was at that moment that Solomon begins to speak to the crowd that has gathered for the dedication. It is in 1 Kings chapter 8, if you want to turn over there with me real quickly, verse 15, 8th chapter, 15th verse. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which spake with his mouth unto David my father, and has with his hand fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought you forth, my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel to build a house that my name might be therein. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. And it was in David's heart to build the house for the name of the Lord, God of Israel. And the Lord said unto David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build it into my name, thou didst well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, thou shalt not build it, but your son that shall come forth out of thy loins, he'll build the house unto my name. And the Lord hath performed his word, listen to this, which, that he spake. And I am risen up in the room of David my father and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised and have built a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And I have set thee a place for the ark wherein the covenant of the Lord which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And then things began to happen. First of all, 
Verse 26 and verse 27, he says that the building will not be able to contain the impact God is going to make in the building. There is no way you can contain what God does right here. I spoke to a lady after the last service. She is fixing to leave and spend her life in India. She is leaving in just a few hours and came back to the hospitality room. And God has spoken to her heart. In the last two weeks, we have licensed three people to preach the gospel and to share the gospel right here at this altar. We are seeing people being called out to go all over the world in our church. If you go out there and you look at that one permanent booth, which is our missions booth. That's the only permanent booth in the building. Walk over there closely. Look at what's going on there. Thanks to the internet. When I went out there at 8 o'clock this morning, 196,000 people from around the world had tuned into the internet, of which 26,000 of them had prayed, indicated on the computer that they had prayed to ask Jesus Christ into their life today, somewhere in the world. And there was about 29,000 that had gone on to do a little discipleship program that is there on this very day. In other words, those people will never probably ever walk inside the building. Two groups returned yesterday from mission trips. This happens every week at our church. We support missions in 192 countries of the world with 10,000 missionaries. And we are a part of of an organization that shares our resources with those 10,000 missionaries so that the gospel can be preached to millions of people today, not just what gathers here at 11,300 Sam Houston Parkway. All of us, all of us are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. And God is asked by Solomon Please, God, don't take your eyes off of this place. And then he tells him, tells them what will take his eyes off of the place. He says, as he goes on in the 28th to the 30th verse, he says, your name will be there. You, you will, I will hear your prayers. I will keep my eyes on you as long as you stay at the purpose that I put you there and that your children and your children's children stay the course. You see, that's what God is looking for. This work that is here at this spot, our children, our grandchildren, are to carry it on long after we're gone. That's what God wanted for Solomon. He said, Solomon, as long as you follow me, And as long as your children follow me and your grandchildren follow me, I will bless you. I will bless you in an incredible, credible way. And you will have my respect and I will hear your cry when you pray. And I will bless you beyond anything that you can imagine. But then he points out something very, very interesting. In the... Eighth chapter, verses 33 and following. Let me summarize it real quickly. He says, now listen, there's some things going to happen. And I want you to be ready for them. First of all, he says, when attacks come from the enemy. When attacks come from the enemy, 
It's in verses 33. He says, When your people Israel are smitten down before the enemy because they have sinned against you, you shall turn again to you, confess your name, pray, make supplication in this house, then hear you in heaven and forgive the sins of your people Israel and bring them again to the land which you gave unto their fathers. Here's what he says. Whenever attacks come from the enemy against the families, against the homes, against the young people, against the old people, he says, here's what you do. He says, you confess, you pray, you repent, and I'll come and I'll bless you. Then he says, secondly, in, in verse 35 through 36, he says, when the drought comes from lack of rain, when the country begins to dry up, if you heard the news yesterday, yesterday it was announced that this past 12 months have been the driest 12 months in the history of the United States of America. As the corn crop dries up in Nebraska and all those things that are out there and forest fires have been everywhere. But he says that's the way judgment comes from God. He says, listen, when that happens, confess, pray, and turn. Same solution. Different problems, same solution. He says when the plagues and sickness comes. Now virus set a record this year. The sicknesses that come, the diseases come. Say, when those come, he says, you turn, you confess, you repent. Humble yourself, and I'll come. And then when strangers and guests and people from other families and lands come from uh, in 41 through 43, so, when, you know, when people begin to immigrate into the country, when people begin to come from outside the buildings, inside the buildings, and they begin to hear as they come, many of them coming because they're struggling to find purpose in their life, same solution, confess your sin. Repent of that sin, turn from that sin, humble yourself, see God's face, and I will bless you. And then finally, he says in that text, he says, when you go to the battlefield, when your soldiers are out in the war, and the enemy is coming up against you, what do you do back home? You humble yourselves, you pray. What does a soldier do? He humbles himself, he prays, he repents, he turns from his sin, if that be relevant in his life. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So clean up your life and confess me as King of kings and Lord of lords, and I will deliver your land. Same thing. See, this goes far beyond just right here. I mean, we're on the Weather Channel, the International Channel, the Hospital Channel, the Family Channel, you name it, this place impacts all of it, all of it. That's what Solomon is telling the people. So after Solomon prayed, he got up on his knees and he blessed the congregation. I'm going to ask you to join me right now in, in doing what he did. I want all of us to pray this blessing together, not just the pastor, but all of us. And so we're going to put it on the screen. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 56 through 61. I want you to read it with me out loud. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all of his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine 
with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, as each day may require, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Now that is our prayer of blessing today as we dedicate this building. It's all about him. In the coming days, I'm going to take you on a couple of journeys. I'm going to be talking about our core values of our church. And I'm going to tell you the Sagemont story. I'm going to continue it. Many of you will be getting a tape. All of you come to the hospitality room that will bring you up to about six years ago. But I want to show you what the Lord has done in the most incredible story. Every week I will get calls from somewhere in the world of somebody that's gotten these, this story. And I want every member of the church to hear some of the things you haven't heard yet. Some of the things go back a long way. Some just in recent hours. But I want you to hear the story. But as you go out today, I want you to look at the mirror. At the mural. When you look up at that mural that Cobus has painted, that's 44 feet wide, I believe, 8 feet tall, I want you to notice that it's like looking into a temple. There's eight pillars and there's seven sections. Those seven sections represent the core values of our church. The first thing I want you to know when you look at it as you leave in just a moment now, that that entire mural, the whole foundation, if you were to get up on a scaffold and look closely, you will see pages of the Bible have been put up there all the way across and because the Bible is the foundation of our church. Everything we do, the foundation is the word of God. The New Testament says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then as you go across from left to right, the first arch, you will see our first core value, that is that we're to love God. That's the greatest commandment that there is. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul. We're going to love God. That's our number one. Number two is everybody matters. The second commandment is love God and love one another. Our church is committed to in loving God that we will worship him in prayer, in praise, and in the study of God's word. Then we will love people, whoever they are, from wherever they come, that we will see those people as God sees those people and every one of them matters. As the Bible comes to the conclusion in Revelation 22, it says, and whosoever will, let them come and drink of the water of life freely. Everybody matters. Jesus ate with sinners. Jesus was criticized by the religious crowd. He was so different from others. But we are committed to getting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost part of the earth. If you're here for the first time today, if you would like to know a little bit more about what Sagemont Church is all about, I would just encourage you some Sunday afternoon to leave your house, go park your car, where you can go under the bridge right here at the corner of Hughes Road and Beltway 8. And walk over to a man that'll be selling the Houston Chronicle. As you approach him, he'll probably have a sign that you can read that'll real quickly set you off about what you're fixing to get into. Because, see, his name is Ernest. Ernest set up on that corner some time ago. Hadn't been that long ago. Ernest is 60 in his early 60s. He's been in the, federal, in the penitentiary, not the federal penitentiary. He's been in the penitentiary for over 40 years. 
He paid his due to society. He hated God and he hated Christians. And he started selling papers right there. He could not come on Sunday because that's when he sells his paper. But he came on Wednesday night. The third Wednesday night. That man broke at the altar. Gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And become one of the number one ministers of this church. Everybody that knows that man knows that a wonderful change in his life took place somewhere, somehow. I'm telling you, it took place right here when that man came under the power of God and the love of the people. And Ernest is literally one of the heroes of our church. He, was, he is awesome. He is awesome. He's not kin to any of us. Not my brother-in-law, okay? It's, a, it's not my brother. It is my brother in Christ. But he's a changed man by the power of God. And he loves everybody. And he loves God with all his heart, mind, and soul. That's our second core value. Authority of Scripture is number three. The authority of Scripture. When you look at the mural, there's the written word of God. There is a living word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus' life took over from the printed word unto the life that he lived. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Our fourth core value is excellence. Excellence, Jesus is excellent. He is awesome. There are none like him. When you look at the mural, that is a bronze of, of a gymnast doing one of the hardest things, in fact, the hardest thing in the, in the gymnastic world. And Kobus said he painted a statue, not a real person, but it takes such tremendous effort to do that. It is excellence represented in gymnastics. I'm going to tell you about the man to the right uh, a little bit later. The story continues to go on. His name is Henry. He lives in Zimbabwe. He is an unbelievable testimony. And while that mural was being painted, the story that's represented there unfolded. I will give it to you later. Number six is relevance. When you go out there and look at that mural, you should see in the bottom of the mural somewhere where you are there whether it is in the arts, in business, or family, uh, sports, uh, education, some spot in there, that old scroll is alive. It is relevant. It's just as relevant today as it was in yesteryear. And then finally, spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Everybody is growing in the faith with strong Bible study, opportunities with a men's ministry and a women's ministry, all of it done with excellence. Christmas will have one of the most incredible things for women that you'll ever be a part of. In fact, it'll be the first gathering out in the foyer out here, and it'll go all the way from one in this building to the other. Our men's ministry a few days ago was unbelievable. Our student ministry, our children's ministry, 2,200 in vacation Bible school. It is awesome what goes on over in that place. And I think you enjoyed the worship today that there were thousands of hours that were put into that. Why? Because our God deserves our best. And that's what he's going to get. And because of it, we're going to grow. I can't believe it, but I understand that bluebell ice cream and nothing else is not the best thing to have in a diet. That you need some mixtures, a little bluebell and a little bit of everything else. You know what we try to do? We try to offer to you the healthy food from the Word of God. To be able to go, I saw those girls dancing a while ago. I wished I could dance like that. <laughs> you know, they tell us we're going to dance around the throne of God, and I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just going to be up there flopping around, I guess, you know. <laughs> but you say, well, I don't think that I like that. It doesn't make any difference. There's people weeping in this building a while ago, and I was one of them. 
Why? Because whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. I mean, some of you guys, you know, you're hunting and you're fishing, one of the greatest tools you have to win people to Christ. Some of you guys are in the construction business, one of the greatest things you'll ever do is go out there where you're working with men and women in the construction business and construction industry and show them what Jesus is like by the way you work. I mean, this is about everybody on the athletic field, in the business hall, not just the church house. So as you go, one final thing, that is this, know our mission statement. We'll be living proof. All right, church family, you help me with this. All right, let's see if you know what the mission statement is for the visitors sitting around you. What is our mission statement? We're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. When the people in the third ward in Houston were watching with that group of young people ever come back to the third ward, we made our third trip back to the third ward uh, this year. Thank God to an incredible bunch of teenagers that said instead of going skiing or camping, we're going to go down there and help people in our city to see the love of God. That's what this church is about. And when in a few days we honor the wounded warriors of this country with a dove hunt and a time uh, on the man ranch down in a big uh, in uh, George West Texas hey those guys none of them are members of this church but God loves them and we're going to minister to them in an incredible way that's what you're into here folks so when you go out it's more than talkie talkie as the Chinese fellow said we do the walkie walkie all right <laughs> we go where the people are and tell them about Jesus Christ okay now I want you to stand with me thank you for being here now here's what I want you to know as you leave to, to first-time guests. If you today already know, say, you know, I, I could, I'd be a part of that. Let me tell you. We tell you, don't join this church till you know what you're getting into, but don't walk away till you know what you're walking away from. You really want to know more? Stop by the Connection Center. Let them give you the things, the starting point. It's a brand-new booklet we just put out, the discovery booklet. See what it is. Don't walk away until you know what you're walking away from. But if you don't know Jesus as Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today is, now is the accepted time. Don't go away from here without Christ. None of us know what another day is going to bring. And I want to encourage you, if you're a believer, to think about making Sage Might your church home. If you want a place where there's love and one accord, built on the scripture with no encumbering debt, and where everybody can serve, and everybody is important, you found the place. And it's been here for 46 years. We would love to have you if God wants you here. And whosoever will may come, you're welcome in this spot. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless us as we close the service. We realize, Lord, that there are people here that have never been Sagemont before. And without question, they have concerns and doubts, and, and I'm glad they do, because a lot of them have children, and they have teenagers. A lot of them are married, and they need to keep that marriage together and have a place where they can, they can be encouraged and support groups. And I thank you for our counseling ministry. I thank you for all the different ministries here that you've let us have, for our Spanish ministry, and for the opportunities we have with our contemporary service, our children, teenagers, and on and on. But, oh God, don't let, us, don't let us move to the right or the left of what you had planned when you started 
this church and more recently when you started this building. We love you, Lord. And may the people that are sincerely seeking truth hear from the Holy Spirit today as to what they should do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.